Vivian Karin, 1946. Mum, Violet Hobson, was born at Windmill Cottage, Burton Latimer, February 1910. Dad was born in 1904. Mum came from a family of 15 children. Ten of these children are recorded in the first Burton book. I was born at 1 Cranford Road, which was near to George Street, Burton Latimer. Dad built us a large shed in one of the fields for us kids to play in. As children, we played in the fields at the bottom of Bird Street. We rode the cows that were there. Before returning home, we would gather sticks for our open fire. I recall crossing the road to Mr Dickey's shop on the corner of Cranford Road. I'd buy sweets with ration coupons. Mr Wood painted coaches and horses in George Street. Not many people had televisions then, so everybody crowded into one or two houses in order to see the coronation. Mum sewed sleeves into things for a living when we were small. My sister and I got money for taking the tacking out. Dad worked at a mine in Earthenborough, Richard Thomas and Baldwin. He then worked as a farm labourer and we lived in a tied cottage. It was a lovely and spacious place to live. I've so many idyllic memories. The farm was called Hatfield's Farm and it was on the bend and close to the wold. We lived in a large three-bedroomed house with lots of land, including an orchard. I remember growing a variety of vegetables, then selling them to people who lived nearby, something like one penny a score. We kept pigs and chickens. There were also lots of fruit there was also lots of fruit trees and bushes including gooseberries and red currants. Of course, Dad had to be up early to tend the animals on the farm. I would go with Dad to the wold at tea time when it was harvest time. I was very sad at the age of nine our family had to move from this idyllic place to live in Rosebury Street. It felt like a city to me. I missed the peace and the quiet of the fields as there were not many girls to play with. I made friends with boys instead. When I was nine years old I joined the Salvation Army which was held in a tin hut. I fried there and played the tambourine. I once jumped a picket fence there but I stumbled and broke my leg and also my nose. When my leg plaster had worn down, I went to the shoemaker's in Bindon Street where he cut the kindly shoemaker put a heel on my plaster. When I was going to the infant school, I was trusted to purchase the family loaf every day. It was so warm and smelled so tempting that I would break off the top of the loaf and eat it before getting home. I would turn the loaf upside down before handing it to my mum. I had a lovely teacher called Miss Metcalfe. I found out that her cat had kittens. I had one of these kittens which I called Momo. Unfortunately, I had a horrible teacher after Miss Metcalf. As a part of a nature study, I'd, in, I'd entered a class competition with a drawing of a fox. Mine was declared the best. I was upset that I didn't get the chance to go on the school stage to get a certificate, but I was given money as a reward. Henry got school was like going to another city. Of course, I hated it. I had horrible memory relating to my first first. Vivian Karin, 1946. Mum, Violet Hobson, was born at Windmill Cottage, Burton Latimer, February 1910. Dad was born in 1904. Mum came from a family of 15 children. Ten of these children are recorded in the first Burton book. I was born at 1 Cranford Road, which was near to George Street, Burton Latimer. Dad 
built us a large shed in one of the fields for us kids to play in. As children, we played in the fields at the bottom of Bird Street. We rode the cows that were there. Before returning home, we would gather sticks for our open fire. I recall crossing the road to Mr Dickey's shop on the corner of Cranford Road. I'd buy sweets with ration coupons. Mr Wood painted coaches and horses in George Street. Not many people had televisions then, so everybody crowded into one or two houses in order to see the coronation. Mum sewed sleeves into things for a living when we were small. My sister and I got money for taking the tacking out. Dad worked at a mine in Earthenborough, Earthenborough, Richard Thomas and Baldwin. He then worked as a farm labourer and we lived in a tied cottage. It was a lovely and spacious place to live. I've so many idyllic memories. The farm was called Hatfield's Farm and it was on the bend and close to the wold. We lived in a large three-bedroomed house with lots of land, including an orchard. I remember growing a variety of vegetables, then selling them to people who lived nearby, something like one penny a score. We kept pigs and chickens. There were also lots of fruit there was also lots of fruit trees and bushes including gooseberries and red currants. Of course, Dad had to be up early to tend the animals on the farm. I would go with Dad to the wold at tea time when it was harvest time. I was very sad at the age of nine our family had to move from this idyllic place to live in Rosebury Street. It felt like a city to me. I missed the peace and the quiet of the fields as there were not many girls to play with. I made friends with boys instead. When I was nine years old, I joined the Salvation Army, which was held in a tin hut. I thrived there and played the tambourine. I once jumped a picket fence there, but I stumbled and broke my leg and also my nose. When my leg plaster had worn down, I went to the shoemaker's in Finden Street, where he cut the kindly shoemaker put a heel on my plaster. When I was going to the infant school, I was trusted to purchase the family loaf every day. It was so warm and smelled so tempting that I would break off the top of the loaf and eat it before getting home. I would turn the loaf upside down before handing it to my mum. I had a lovely teacher called Miss Metcalfe. I found out that her cat had kittens. I had one of these kittens which I called Momo. Unfortunately, I had a horrible teacher after Miss Metcalfe. As a part of a nature study, I'd, in, I'd entered a class competition with a drawing of a fox. Mine was declared the best. I was upset that I didn't get the chance to go on the school stage to get a certificate, but I was given money as a reward. Henry got school was like going to another city. Of course, I hated it. I had horrible memory relating to my first... first Margaret, 1946. I had two brothers. My father, Terence, was Scottish, whilst my mum... Marjorie, but Chris and Nora, originated from the north of England. I believe that they met at a dance class in Edgware Road in London. Dad was in the Navy whilst Mum lived at Harleston, London. My grandparent mother, Ruby, owned two large houses and Mum lived in the basement of one of them. Mum worked in a cake shop but had been a receptionist for a television company in London. Mum and Dad were married at a registrar office in London. I was prematurely born at home and rushed to hospital, but not expected to live. When I was three, I was sent to a nursery which was near Moorfield Hospital. I had to go in a taxi on my own part of the way. 
I was then put into taxi with deaf and dumb children. When I was about four, I was brought back to Paddington St John, which was a day school for partially sighted children. I was picked up by 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 I was picked up by coach and brought back by coach. I went to boarding school in Liverpool when I was nine. I didn't see my sighted friends again. Local children at Liverpool went home at the weekend, whilst those of us who lived further away from home remained at school. It was quite hard for me having to stay at school for months at a time without seeing my family. The regime at junior school was strict and you always had to do what you were told. As it was a Roman Catholic school, we had to go to Mass twice a week. We would be out of our beds at 6.30am. There were junior and senior dormitories. I learned to read Braille with a daughter when I was nine and managed this well. However, I found it more difficult when I was given a machine as once written the reading had to be reversed by me. I couldn't tell my parents how I felt as I knew that all my mail was read by the staff before I got it. I used to have bags of sweets sent by my family every week but this was stopped when the matron advised me advised me that as other children didn't have sweets sent to them it was better that I didn't have them so consequently my sweets from home stopped. When I was little I had a I had canker of the ears. This was realised when school teachers noticed I wasn't paying attention to their lessons. I was in an isolation hospital in Neasden, London for eight weeks. I left my school in Liverpool when I was 16. My first job was in a factory where the screws were so small that they cut into my hands. I then worked at Heinz. They had sewing machines in one room where employees repaired overalls. I swept up and kept check of all the stock of overalls but wasn't allowed to go into the factory. I'd had to have two medicals instead of one. I managed to get to work on my own which meant crossing busy roads. I became unemployed again so I went to Torquay Rehabilitation Centre for the blind and partially sighted people. It was there that I was assessed as being suitable for factory work. I was at Torquay for three months and made many friends. I then went to work for GEC, which was a big place, and was in their canteen. I worked as well as a sighted person. I decided to go to the head chef one day after hearing a colleague being reprimanded for breaking a plate. I told this chef that it was me who had broken the plate. I had cleared the plates. I had cleared the plates, swept up, and taken the trolleys down a lift. I was feeling tired and stressed with this job so gave my notice to the chef who didn't want me to leave but my mind was made up. I then worked for Macintosh in their sweet factory where I was allowed to fold up boxes. 
I had to get a bus into Acton and then another to Western Avenue. So there was lots of travelling for me to do. I then went to L.S. Dickinson, who was a paper merchant. I worked in the sample department where I worked the stencil machine and was responsible for the post. I remained in this post for about three years before the firm moved to Vauxhall. As this would have meant catching a tube across London, I decided to find an alternative employment. I went to work for Muller's Books in the Edgware Road. There were pallets of books which were stacked quite high. I sometimes had to get through a page in a brand new book where the page had been missed out. Being close to the pages in order to see, I felt dizzy from inhaling the glue. I worked for this firm for for about 18 months. I didn't have a rise in my wage and so I left the firm. It was about this time that I decided to go to Australia for three months, travelling alone but asking for assistance when I was getting on and off the plane. I returned to England and my daughter was born in 1975. I moved to Wellingborough when I was 39 and my daughter was nine. One of my jobs was working at a conveyor belt for a soap scent company. I think that I coped as well as a sighted person. I also worked for Cadium Nickel, who did batteries for aircraft. It was my job to do the wafer connections, negative and positive. I met my best friend whilst working there. My eardrums were now so scarred that recently the specialist at hospital couldn't do anything to help. I've had terrible trouble hearing noises when I to wear when I try to wear hearing aids where where there seems something where everything seems distorted. I had my first guide dog when I was forty six. I'd always known people with guide dogs here in Wellingborough. Following two years of illness I made the decision that I would apply for a guide dog. I was lucky and offered a dog. It takes 18 months to train a guide dog, but some retrievers can take a bit longer as some seem more sensitive. Initially, I was reluctant to have a guide dog as I thought I would lose my independence. Having a guide dog has opened up a lot of doors for me. The dog takes a lot of stress off me, but I still can't cut off for one moment. If I know people, then they will stop and speak to me. I do still find, however, that some sighted people talk to other sighted people rather than to me, which can make me feel isolated at times. It is sometimes the same with people in wheelchairs who don't get spoken to, but instead the person who is speaking, pushing their wheelchair. I would urge that you define, you definitely stop and ask a blind person if you see them hesitating at a busy road or at a junction. They will either say yes please or no, but thank you for asking me. I can manage. I find that the condition of the tiles in the town where they are broken and have been filled with with tarmac is awful. I find that when I go down Cannon Street, really all down there, it's a bloody mess. It's sometimes difficult to keep balance. There are potholes everywhere in Wellingborough and coming into the Hemingwell Road. I'm now a pensioner who is living her life out. If I hadn't met my friend Mary, I wouldn't have gone to the blind and partially sighted group, BAPS in Wellingborough. I also have friends who meet at Oliver's in Wellingborough. I have just found a lovely fish and chip shop at the bottom of Cannon Street and it's lovely there. The only being helpful to everyone.